0: Hey everybody, thanks for checking out Bleachmouth Postscript. This is part two of my conversation with writer DX Ferris. If you have not listened to part one already, I'd suggest going back, starting there, then coming back here and finishing up. Uh, Thanks for checking it out. I almost feel that like dio sabbath is a separate band altogether yeah in, in fact in fact i think that i was really kind of totally down with that last record he did with those guys and they just named the band heaven and hell i know it was more of a copyright thing like yeah. the rights to the name and so on and so forth whatever fucking weirdo shit uh that fucking osborne lady sharon osborne is up to but yeah. i was like yeah that makes sense Cause it's almost a different band. I mean, it's, still- yeah, that was a
1: brilliant way to do it. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't truly compare it. I mean, they're just totally different uh, and things. And,
0: and you know, it's not just cause, cause of Dio's voice. I mean, Tony Iommi's guitar playing is, is still very recognizable, but there's a certain, the production value and the way he's playing sometimes and the way he's writing, like he's writing, he's writing to what Dio can do it's it's just strange how different they sound and i know plenty of people that think that dio sabbath is far superior to the original lineup i disagree wholeheartedly but you know when it comes to opinions I, they're not wrong those are f- yeah heaven, like heaven like, hell mob rules are great fucking records man yeah Amazing like o- aussie the aussie albums they're might still be, canon they're yeah, still they, canon. Might, they
1: might be better rock and roll but the dio albums might be better metal I don't yeah.
0: Know. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, like here. for you know, I've said on several episodes that I'm sure you know, it's like blacks. I, I was aware of music prior, you know, like I was, I liked music well enough, like any kid did, but black Sabbath was the first one love in my life. And because they were the first one love in my life, the fact that that, that first album didn't sound like anything I had any experience with before it opened the door to everything every genre just it was like this big huge buffet and I'm like, well if this sounds like this, what else is out there? you know so oh, you know so- you
1: know what to, to answer your question I again back to Pittsburgh I grew up listening to D- WDVE, just simply DVE as we call it in Pittsburgh, one of the great classic rock radio stations. and um, you yeah, know in retrospect it's not as great as I thought at the time but I just grew up on a steady diet of Zeppelin who like once i decided i liked hard rock like i was just in that ncx wone mode where like zeppelin 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 deep purple that shit was like in the water in pittsburgh so that's what primed me for metal yeah Yeah. that's what primed me for metal you know i mean i knew iron man before i ever had like a sabbath album years before so that's what kind of led me up to to be ready and receptive to metal
0: I mean, I had heard Iron Man previously, but I didn't connect the dots. Like, as I was a kid, just not really. The, I, I really sat with the first Sabbath album, and I'm like, "Whoa, this is, this is awesome!" Like everything about it, I just loved. You know? and
1: I mean, to to frame all this this kind of stuff, I mean, we but came of age at about the same time, like '86, yeah. 80, which was a magical time. You know, right. movies that really put the zap on my head were like Escape from New York road warrior day of the dead uh even mainstream rock was good then you had new wave you had tom petty van halen the police, the, the, yeah, the, tail, the, police. The,
0: the tail end of the police was yeah. you know 83 i think was when they were yeah there.
1: yeah i mean like um don't stand so close to me was a current single when i started listening to the radio yeah you know hardcore and punk were coming into their own dri minor threat suicidal you know i didn't i it's funny like we were out in the boondocks it's like we'd get that shit three years after it came out and it was new to us yeah like in 1986 oh we got this new minor threat single like no they, they broke up four years ago
0: that, that's <laughs> that's that's, that's been the tale of all the hardcore bands i've loved is like i kind of you know discovered them through my cousins and i, I didn't realize they're broke up i just didn't you know it didn't dawn upon me yeah you know? and then yeah, and then i'm TV like well it. you know um but we had like cultural
1: stuff like skateboarding, Thrasher, yep. wrestling was awesome. Jimmy Snuka, obviously a problematic figure now. Comic books, The Road Warriors, Ric Flair, Hulkamania.
0: Comics. Dungeons and Dragons, Redbox, um, like all that I, I all read that
1: nerd Dark Knight shit. Returns as it was coming out. Uh, yeah. Year one, Watchmen, Thrash was emerging. Uh, and But then like, you see, this is like, you're kind of talking to a dead man right here. Like, as I said, I'm closer to 49 than 48 at this point. So I might as well be 50. And I haven't, (laughs) I haven't left the house for anything except work basically for a year now. Yeah. I've been busy working. I got to think how I'm going to pay for my kids uh, college. Uh, So I've been doing that. I haven't been working on my own shit for a while. Like, And I don't mean to trigger anybody who has actually dead and dying relatives. I'm sorry. This is hyperbole. But I might as well be dead. I'm not going to do anything again. You know, I might. You know, I still have books I want to write. I have things I want to do. But it's been a while since I put out anything. Uh, And maybe I'll never make another friend in my life. I might never go to another party. I don't know. But so lately I've been thinking about, like, how I came to this liminal state where I'm kind of still alive, kind of still not, you know, I might still do some things. And there's a certain point in the eighties when shit just started crumbling and really redirected my life. Uh, Like from eighth grade to college, I was getting some of the best stuff ever. And then like every year, one of the foundational like gods of my life would simply fall the fuck off. Uh, and it was traumatic, like literally traumatic. It took me over 25 years to start to process what happened to Metallica after Cliff died. Right. I mean, my, my stupid pen name, DX Ferris, that's from DRI. DRI made little X's for their period. So mm-hmm. I would sign my name, D Ferris, and that's where X came from. Like, I'm that indebted and influenced by DRI. Um, that band changed my life. Um, but, you know, over the 80s, shit started to fall apart. You know, 1985, David Lee Roth leaves Van Halen, and the mighty Van Halen becomes Van Hagar. What the fuck? You yeah. know, uh, Van Halen came to town right before I got into the band on the 1984 tour, so when I go see them, it's Van Hagar. Ugh. Yeah.
0: 1985,
1: Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, that sucks. Yeah. 86 I see uh, Megadeth open for Alice Cooper in a theater and that kind of sucked I mean I was so excited about that record I love that record but they couldn't hold it together you know they were a mess famously yeah 1987 you know again high school starts for me in 86 I graduate 90 March 1987 DRI dropped Crossover they started with that shitty re recording of five year plan that is nowhere near as good as the version on the complete death comp. Um, June 87, the l- unbelievably hotly anticipated second suicidal tendencies album, Join the Army. That's
0: awful, yeah, which that I know a lot so of people bad.
1: like, but uh, nothing, nothing from the first album is present on the second album. I don't give a fuck about it. It's not my jam. No. 1988, January. Year starts off with this second solo album from David Lee Roth, the mighty David Lee Roth, this rock god, a Warner Brothers cartoon character. He drops fucking skyscraper,
0: living in paradise. Like so do you feel whoo- like do you feel like you survived that one uh brutal malaise that was overcoming your life musically and you sort of feel well, like it was, you're it kind was, of are you feeling feeling like right now you're sort of in that same sort of mindset right now well i'm i'm telling the
1: story like like as i was growing up every year like one of my gods would fail me and that would right. redirect my life a little bit fall 1990 fall sorry fall 1989 metallica's and justice for all drops
0: what the fuck you're what not is- yeah no. like i I famously hate that record, but you 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 didn't like it either
1: no no okay. in, my, in my world like this is like a, a story I tell myself so I can sleep at night um Metallica got a new bass player and they recorded uh the covers e p and it was good, but they realized they couldn't do it without Cliff and they broke up and they never played again <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, i I, can I, talk I about tell that people. All day.
0: I always tell people that I think that that's a guitar player's record. And yeah. I think, I think that those, that, that record, if it carries any weight, it's because guitar players really looked at that record for the sheer amount of riffs that were packed into that. Yeah. And I'm it's not, just, a, it's I'm not, not a guitarist. It's, I don't give a it's, shit. And I don't care either. Cause it's not a cohesive record. Like it doesn't sound like anything, but a bunch of riffs slapped together to me,
1: you know? Yeah, and you know, I mean, to me, like music is magic. Like certain things I like, I still can't wrap my head around. Like, I, I've, it's like, just I've, the, the I've pro- been an active music fan forever. Like, it's exactly like stage magic. I've had like guitars and basses in my hands. Like, what the fuck is that? How do you yeah. do that? I don't get it.
0: Well, it's just that like, some guys, some guys are uh, David Copperfield, some guys are Doug Henning, and other guys are fucking Gandalf. You know it just depends on what train you want to get on and but it's
1: all it's all magic to me like like if i could play like the beginning of slayers the antichrist uh i would never leave the house i just can't do it i've been watching skateboarding for 40 years i still don't don't understand how an ollie is physically possible not to mention like the shit that rodney mullen does
0: yeah you know, God, um, that's a name I haven't heard in fucking decades. It's
1: it's all magic to me. It's amazing. Uh, but sometimes people fall off. You know, in 1990, the Road Warriors signed to the WWF and become the Legion of fucking Doom. Yeah, huh? that was terrible. I mean, the Road Warriors in NWA was some of the most metal shit I've ever seen in my life. And then they become something else.
0: They had a so- puppet. They had a puppet at one point. Yeah. <laughs> they had a fucking puppet. Summer 1990,
1: Tim Burton's Batman movie is this like crushing development in my life. Like if the if, if the Dark Knight returns is Master of Puppets, then Tim Burton Batman is the Metallica Ooh. blackout. All right,
0: movie. I'm going to have to stop you there. <laughs> I'm going to have to stop you right there. Because I'm not Batman is not my go-to character in comic books. I think that batman's i think batman's magic really lies in the depth of his rogues gallery you know i I think that he and spider-man although the the heroes themselves are not analogous in any way they have the deepest rogues gallery of any two superheroes out there like villains that of course they appear in other titles, but are very specific and very tied to those particular heroes. Um, yeah. It's, it's a legit myth, but yeah. Yeah. So aside from that, I'm not super, I'm not super interested in Batman. However, there was a certain magic to that film that was it was not as potent as Richard Donner, Superman or Superman Two. However, the take on it was just right. It was a near perfect movie because he was able to straddle that line between the comic book fan that knew the dark Knight, that knew the origin of Batman back in the thirties, forties, late thirties, early forties, whatever it was. I can't remember. I'm an idiot. Don't know that. It straddles that line between that version of Batman, a darker, you know, something's wrong with this guy. He's not, just superhero. There's something troubling about him as a human being. In the '60s shtick, like the film was able to thread that needle perfectly, and I'm like, you know what, man, that's pretty fucking great. And I mean, well, it, I, I mean, I, it's an
1: acknowledged classic, and enough people like it that obviously my opinion is in the minority.
0: I mean, the, the, but the, the Nolan. Wasn't what I wanted the Nolan Batman films are closer to what I wanted, particularly you know uh the dark knight but yeah and again not particularly fun either i don't know man i think that heath Ledger as like, the joker yeah, was I, fucking great he was so fun yeah that's like when he that's did that good. but he did again that, the magic trick with the pencil that was fantastic yeah. you know and the yeah, thing that's where good he uh he starts to tell christian bale not to hit him in the face first and he goes see I don't feel anything if you do that for like, he, he got it, you know, but again, that, that speaks to, I think his villains are way more interesting than Batman himself is.
1: But I mean, my, what I've been looking for, waiting for for over 30 years has been like, no, no scene in any Batman movie except one. We'll talk about that. can be described as thus bad guys are doing some bad shit. Batman drops in and kicks all kinds of fucking ass. Like, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in Burton Batman. It doesn't happen in the 90s. It doesn't happen in the Nolan movies. And by the time it does kind of happen in Batman v Superman, like, it's a video game fight. Yeah, those movies are terrible. Those Zack
0: Snyder films suck.
1: They're awful. So, I mean, I've, I've never gotten what I wanted out of a Batman film. I got more out of the second Captain America movie, The Winter Soldier. I thought that was more Batman God, than was, any of the
0: Batman movies. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. And, you know, like I'm not huge on the Marvel train necessarily. I, I've seen all the films, but they're hit or miss. And I understand implicitly that they're not, they're not making those movies for me or for you. They're making for other people. So, going into that and having that perspective, I can enjoy them on one level or dismiss them on another level and just be completely like, well, it's not for me, you know? Um, But the Snyder films, that's just bad filmmaking. That's just bad filmmaking. That has nothing to do with whether, you know, they're for me or not. Those are just bad movies. But so Batman fell off for you.
1: Yeah, so, like that—that was and then like summer nineteen ninety one Metallica's Black album comes out, and that like it just it short circuits my brain at that point.
0: Uh, Hot take: Black album is
1: better than Injustice for All. It's it's a very good rock album, you know. Again, I I I will based on based on the
0: strength of Sad but True, that's a heavy fucking song.
1: Yeah, I kid Kid Rock sampled that so.
0: Well, that's not their, well, I guess that is their
1: fault, but whatever. (laughs) But I mean, it's, it's not what I wanted from Metallica, you know, it was a crushing disappointment. And um, yeah, I mean, I will concede that, you know, my minority opinion is, and I'm not saying I'm right just for what I liked about Metallica. It wasn't there anymore. And that just kind of redirected me, you know, at, at that point I figure, I don't know what the fuck to think. I think that, art is some passing phase. Maybe, maybe the good stuff is over. Maybe I do need to grow up now because all this shit that I used to love is no good anymore. You know, maybe it was like a leadership issue. You know uh, the older kids that I used to hang out with, that got me into music. I'm not really talking to anymore. The college radio show, like moved on and evolved into new hosts and now they're playing the descendants and all that's not super important to me. No, it's not important to me. I'll respect. So I just kind of walked away, you know, Slayer was like the one thing that always kind of held my attention like through all those years, you know, Slayer never disappointed me in the way that Metallica did. Uh, they never disappointed me in the way that Megadeth did. Um, you know, I I, 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 stayed plugged into Anthrax, but You know, I really like, I
0: sat out
1: most of the nineties, you know, I really did.
0: That's when I was sort of like, even though my favorite bands were from an era, part of my involvement at large within the context of music as a performer, if that's what you want to call it. The nineties was when I was most active. And I think that's what, kept me going was it like well if i'm not getting this from the bands around me then i'm going to recreate what i try to recreate what i want to hear and, it and that was that was
1: the correct response you know, and if, it, if and, and it worked talent, maybe i would have thought of that
0: well i mean it worked to a greater or lesser degree because i'm dealing with the limited tool set i have and the people around me you know and i think what happened eventually was i stopped putting all my eggs in one basket at some point i mean i've always been i've always had a really uh broad palette musically like i've always liked all kinds of stuff but i think some point like by the end of my first band i really just kind of said and even in the middle of that first band i was just kind of like you know what man this whole thing you know i need to stop worrying about where the next you know Minor threat is coming from where the next negative approach is because it's just not going to happen. So I started looking elsewhere, and it brought me to bands like uh, I Hate God pretty early grief. I was looking in other areas. And, and then, of course, I was looking back to, quote, unquote, my parents' music with a, with a greater appreciation like Rolling Stones, which I'd always kind of liked. But, you know, I didn't take ownership of it until right after high school, you know. Um, so in the spirit of that, by the time I was doing shit, it might not I'd have to ask Corey. I met Corey originally when I was in the unholy three, he was in a band with my current. Corey Bing. Yeah. I, 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 Corey met, the King Bing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Who, as we'll talk about, I'm a huge fucking fan of.
0: Yeah. Um, I met him originally when he was playing drums in a band called jerk hammer with big metal, the guy who he was, uh, big metal for those who don't know. Dave Johnson is an exceptional yeah, guitar yeah. player.
1: One of his running buddies that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've been in two bands with a guy now, um, exceptional guitar player, exceptional bass player, exceptional drummer, and really good at producing records, it seems like, or recording them at least. I doubt he would want to call himself a producer. But I met Corey then, and then shortly after, fuck, he was in Diesel Jesus, and somehow I think that morphed into Fistula. He'd probably have to correct me on that. I don't remember, but they were they are right in line with the things I was looking to. I was looking for different shit, and Fishula really fit that bill. And because I was looking into different stuff, even though I was still playing straight up fast hardcore, Don Austin, I was more interested in playing with bands that weren't hardcore bands. So when Fishula came into my per my purview because I was already aware of him through Corey. But when I really started developing a relationship with him and that band, it was because we played so many fucking shows together. And it was like not opposites because our attitudes are the same as far as like how we're going to conduct ourselves and how the music is going to like come from us. Although it looks different. Um, the sounds couldn't be more different, you know, and I don't just mean tempo. I mean, guitar tone vocal delivery subject matter you know i mean there's some similarities to subject matter but not much you know um you have uh for a better tomorrow I tend to go with hymns of slumber and idiopathic but that's only because not because i think that they're better records than the later stuff but those are the records that i have a more personal connection with because i was i was there when those records came out and we were playing the shows together when those records came out for a better tomorrow is a great album northern Regression is really fucking good yeah Um, and so i mean he's so prolific and bob i mean we gotta we can't I mean, Bob is
1: in my notes. It's,
0: it's him and it's him and Bob. It's not just Corey. It's him and Bob. I mean, there there have been periods where I think I, I don't. I think Bob might have not been involved. I don't remember. I mean, it's yeah. You know. I
1: I wrote I wrote a press release for those dudes once, and I started I started it off by quoting. I forget which one of the Mags said it, but it it was a quote from either you know John or uh, Paris or not Paris uh, John or uh, Harley, yeah and just saying brothers fight yeah <laughs> and 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 that it, there was a tumultuous time in the his in the uh, history of fistula uh so yeah bob has been in and out of the band
0: and those and i'd say but, he's been in the but band. He, far, bob is back
1: in he, the band well he's yeah. been
0: in the band far more than he's been out i think
1: you know but ultimately I mean, like, like what's, when I, what's more boring than a band that has total harmony you know i mean you see a band like alice and chains or sublime that replaced like a dead mad dog of a singer with somebody who's quiet and humble and professional. It's boring.
0: (laughs) I I don't know on this end of the, uh, on this end of the microphone, I prefer not being in a band where we're going to fight the whole time. Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I don't, I don't, it's it's not productive. It might not always create great art, but for me, it's like, it's not productive, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, harmony is important, but that's, that's good.
0: But they're very um, driven prolific songwriters and it's crazy because they're both multi-instrumentalists. So it's like, you know, I'm a little bit in awe of it because I can't, you know, I can't bang a drum out of time, let alone play an instrument, you know? So.
1: Yeah. And, you um, know, depending on what release it is, like Corey's all over the place.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he's very, um, he's very driven and Bob is very driven and they're just they're just a great band and you know there's something to be said about a band that can consistently put out good to great music for that long
1: yeah and they've and they've never made the same record twice no like, they, they refuse to and no. that's you know we'll, people we'll talk.
0: people like to slap sludge on their as a name tag but it's like yeah if you listen to one record another record it might be something else yeah you know
1: yeah, so so like even when I was at my furthest distance from punk, I always held on to that ethic. You know, I, I always thought that you could do more damage from inside the castle than outside. And I don't know anybody inside the castle, by the way. But that's what it, that's what it seemed to me. So through my life, my goal has always been to kind of open the door and let in a couple people that would not normally get in. Right. Like when I was bartending, like we, we hosted this Christmas party for some swanky restaurant. Was this in Pittsburgh? And I noticed this uh yeah, this is in Pittsburgh. This is like nineteen ninety-eight. Okay. Um like yeah, I'm bartending. Uh, this is between like phases in my life. Um, I noticed this guy like Who's at the bar? Kind of a scruffy guy. He's a cook, obviously, and he's really concerned about how much the drink, the drinks cost. You know, like is that two fifty? Is that three fifty? Give me the two fifty one. Right. And I notice a uh, conflict, like the band conflict. I notice he has like a conflict tattoo on his hand. Yeah. Like, dude, is that a conflict tattoo? Like, yeah. Okay, you got a new best friend now. Like, you're drinking for free tonight. <laughs> you tell me what you want, and you can have it. Like that, like that to me is, is kind of like what I've tried to make my life about. Like, okay, I see you. I recognize you. Namaste, dude. You're with me. Like everybody else is paying for their drinks. Not you. You're the cook. You have to put up with everybody's fucking shit. You're sweating and everybody else is dressed up, walking around in their tie. Tonight, you get anything you want because you have a conflict tattoo and I value that. Right. And um, so I got into music writing, you know, not so much to trash music that I hated, although that is fun from time to time. You know, I like to think I I got that out of my system, (laughs) but I wanted coverage for bands that some people might miss otherwise. I wanted to hold the door open for a couple extra minutes and get a couple more people in, you know, in a Cleveland scene, one of those bands was Don Austin. Uh, And one of those was Fistula. I love Fistula. I love the music. Uh, I love what they stand for. Um, Those guys, they've been to Europe and back. Yeah, Um, They've toured, but they barely play live. And I love that. I think that's like a really innovative uh, approach. You know, mostly what they do is they make records, Corey and whoever can hang with them. uh, Usually Bob. Uh, There's some of the most prolific metal musicians on the planet, maybe. And uh, Bob one time told me that uh, he said something like bands are in it for all the wrong reasons. They just want to make the scene, Uh, the live shows that gets them high, like the lights and the fog. They're addicted to it. And we just want to make music. Right. That to me, like is something profound of what fistula is about. So they just have practices and they write songs and then they record them. You know, they don't waste like a month selling tickets, trying to get on a bill with eight other fucking bands to play a show that nobody's going to see or remember. Right. Uh, They write songs and they record them. And that's, what's been interesting to me through my life as a musician. You know, it's what I'm so into. It's why I'm so into the mythology of Rick Rubin. You know, for a while, that was a dude that, you know, it seemed like everything he touched was good to great and usually platinum. Um, it's the central idea of my Donny Iris book. You know, I want to know what does it take to make great records? What does it take to make good records, good documents? I'm you
0: know, still, I'm still trying to figure it out. I think they've kind of got it sussed out. I mean, cause they've, they've sort of been doing that for such a long time. I mean, and he's not, Bob's not wrong. I mean, there is a certain, I'll cop to it. It's not about making the scene necessarily, right? For me, but I will cop to the the high of playing live. Like for me, it's like if I'm putting forth the work to write this song, I'm gonna I wanna put it out there. Like I'm going to oh yeah. I mean
1: you're you're not doing it because it's not fun. Right,
0: right, exactly. Exactly. But that has more to do with I've only recently since this pandemic, sort of realized how much of a coping mechanism for me being in a band was. There were other ways I could have coped with whatever, you know, bullshit that I have sort of been trying to sort out since I was a kid, you know, that but more, I mean, like some
1: people have more, more Muay Thai. <laughs> some people have like jujitsu, some people have a bowling league. Yeah. Some people have well, golf.
0: I mean more more well justed adults would have dealt with it appropriately at this point but my point is like part of it is because it's always been a coping mechanism and that just becomes part of part and parcel of what you're doing and who you are and there, bob's not wrong there. now i don't have any smoke machines i will take issue with that one but <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah yeah you're uh, not but, a P, but you're not there, a peabody's band none of your bands have been peabody's
0: but bands. he's not wrong the live no, part of it
1: Not think there's anything wrong with peabody's
0: the live part of it is uh that's 50% of it for me easily because I, I've i never been in a band. That you
1: see, like- I, I, I was, I've been thinking about like what makes a shitty band. And I've seen a lot of bands that only want to give enough of themselves to get attention. Like I'm on stage, look at me, I'm kind of doing the thing. I'm not going balls out with it. I'm just doing enough to get girls to look at me and that's enough for me. And uh, you, know, you, you have the scars to prove it. you don't, you don't do it at that level.
0: No, I mean, I think that that's the weird juxtaposition you're, you're up
1: there. Just,
0: well, thank you. I mean, that's the weird juxtaposition I'm in, is that, you know, in order for me to continue to be able to do the things I want to do with the band, which is like, make a record. Right. It, 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 I recognize that making a record is totally a vanity piece. It's a, it's a project for this artifact that ultimately the most, the, the person's going to be most important to is me. Right. I mean, in the big picture, that's who it's most important to is me. Right. That's my expression here. This is it. Yeah. I mean, you're the I've one got person enough.
1: that's going to truly understand everything. Like, no one else is going to be able to interpret the lyrics or know how it all fits together. Right. Or see so, how the machine functions.
0: But the problem with that is, and this is why I'm envious of Fistula in some ways, is that I'm forced to engage in a level of commerce that I dislike immensely. You know, like I have to, yeah. I mean, I, I, like I as somebody who records, makes books to, and puts
1: them out there, I need to, st- I need to do a better job selling those right, and I would I, do a better job if I could just, Hey, how you doing? What's going on, buddy? You want to check right. this out? So, yeah, for, you know, so my so, dear friend, Larry Gargas, like, I don't, I don't talk yeah. like that. I'm not that dude. And as somebody that has shit to promote, I should be better at it, but I just can't. Yeah.
0: The promotion end and, uh, commerce end of things is the absolute fucking nightmare of my, but you and do sort
1: of have to do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, at least, at least that's the way I've always done it. And when you look to fish it's like, they don't do it that way. I mean, there is a certain level of like, they do say, Hey, here's our shit. It's sick. we like it. Boom. Right. And, you know, they don't rely on the live shows, you know, because they, they don't. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would ever be comfortable doing it that way because again, 50% of what I do is I love playing. I fucking love doing it. I get off on it. So again, Bob's not wrong. It's a little bit of a you know masturbatory sort of thing. You know, hey, that's fine. And, and they they but have a I different think, kind of bond. Yeah, and and that's that's totally cool. I, I think that um yeah, I mean, I'm envious of them in that sense that you know they can, they can they can put this, they can put a record out, man, and people are gonna get it, and then they can do the next one. And it's just, you know, I think that's the one thing I've disliked about being in a band from day one is the uh, the business end of things. You know, like I just don't, I mean, I'm not so idealistic to feel that <clears throat> nobody should engage in that. You know, I mean, if that's what people are out to do, then that's their fucking business. And I kind of don't care, you know, um, but in order for me to make another record, I got to sell these first ones, man in order for someone because in order for some somebody to give me money to press a fucking record that's what I got to do. And yeah, I mean like you he might not like worst. I might not it's pay my fucking
1: worst. I might not pay all my bills making the little books that I do, but I don't want to lose money on them either. <laughs> well,
0: know? I mean I I can't tell you how many tens of thousands of dollars I've lost being in a band. It's the most expensive hobby I've ever had. I mean there was something you, there was something Clint said to me years ago, like I would dump money into the recording and then he would pay to have records pressed. And I would just watch him just give the fucking records away. And, you know, I was under no illusion that I was going to make any money back, but it was still just like, Oh man, really? You know, (laughs) kind of like, you know, but Clint just didn't give a shit, you know? And I I wish I could have been more like that. I wish it could be more like Corey and Bob, and that they're just like, we've got this thing. This is how we're doing it, and then people have just come around and jumped onto that train and and just rode hard for them. And you know, they they make great music. Yeah, I was glad to see you include them on. Yeah, Guinness and it's because-
1: it's you know, it's been so great to see them get back together. You know, put the show on the road and go to Europe. You know, like that's. I mean, like I have pride in the Steelers, but like when I see cory playing shows in europe that feels like my team won you know yeah. what i mean well you like Corey's yeah. in the fucking playoffs yeah but yeah that there goes go.
0: that goes back to the beginning of the conversation i mean it's kind of you know big metal all points because you know regardless of whether you know the band or not or how big or how little they are it's a bad look to shit on another band yeah. but again northeast ohio is famous for shitting on their own and so you're right. When I see people from here that I'm buddies with, or even if I'm not necessarily buddies with them, but I have a good rapport with them and they're able to. Yeah, be like you're doing your thing. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not like, going to knock that. I'm like, hey, man, good for you. But I'm like,
1: sure. like Corey didn't like it's not like he's playing like rhythm guitar for some band that you know he hates and that's not what he wants to do. Like he, him and Bob got there doing their thing their yep. way and they love it.
0: And it's admirable. And again, yeah. I'm envious of them in some way so, you know? Here's
1: here's why I picked for a better tomorrow. Like yeah, it's one of my one? favorite songs, period. Like that riff is fucking killer. Like when I wrote for scene, I would just sit there and have like stacks of CDs that I would listen to and see what grabs me. And that was one of those ones that I don't think I was even paying attention as I put it in. And then you hit play and like something like grabs you. So yeah. that riff is amazing. And to be fair, that song is not a perfect song. You know, I think it's like six minutes long, like it's three minutes longer than it needs to be.
0: If and if as I had one,
1: she is that first part is.
0: If I had one criticism,
1: they they bludgeon the fuck out of you. They bludgeon you for another three minutes, and that's, and that's, that's I, awesome.
0: That's what and I, that's I go to them. Awesome. For, that's what I go to them for. See, that's to be pummeled, but I think. It has more to do with my failings as a person. I'm so desensitized, not desensitized. Like everything, I've been playing in fast hardcore bands for so long that it kind of almost ruined me to anything longer than two minutes. Because I'm just like, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. But that has nothing to do you with see, the quality that's, of that's their. The it has nothing to do with the quality of their songs. That's just because I'm a fucking, you know. I'm a goddamn lab rat running around a maze looking for a piece of cheese, and if I don't find it quick enough, well, then I I'm done. You know. Well, you know, as and as I've sadly
1: learned over the years, they they can't all be violent pacification. No, but you know, Corey Corey Bing and Bob Bronca are artists. They're not our fucking monkeys. You know, they're not there to dance for us. They're doing their shit their way for and, their well, own reasons. I've danced. And that's why there's a rule a couple of times. Yeah. I've danced a couple times. That's another story. Yeah. But and and though they are metal, uh, you know, that governing approach to it is punk rock as fuck. Yeah. Like, like, okay, I could have like this awesome song that might even get some traction, as they say in the business, but no, fuck it. It's gonna be six minutes and I'm gonna make you sorry. Like, if you can buckle, I'm gonna make you submit. I'm gonna make you tap out on this song.
0: Hey, uh, to tie this back to DRI, uh, they did a cover of Couch Slouch at Annabelle's one time when we played with them, and I did the vocals for it. No shit. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot nice. of fun. I was I was kind of a nervous wreck because they asked me that night to do it, and I'm like, "Uh, okay." You know? Oh <laughs> it's like, man. You know, uh, but again, they're 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 great dudes, and I I'm always happy to see that they're you know playing stuff. I mean, you know i've known them i've known those guys for a long time so it's hard to not be in their corner um so let's take a wild left turn and i really want to know why it's bring the noise and not the whole album it takes a nation of millions because that record well from i thought about the bottom that record from top to bottom it has as the kids say banger after banger after banger
1: yeah yeah I, I thought long and hard about that you know my my pro my favorite song on that is probably rebel without a pause
2: <laughs> Yes, the rhythm the rebel without a pause i'm lowering my level the hard rhymer will you never been i in you want styling you know it's time again deep. the enemy telling you to hear it they praise the music it's time to play the lyrics some say no to the album the show
1: Chuck D I, I say this all the time like um, Chuck D is in my opinion the best rapper because he is the best orator you know who do you if you had an audiobook of your life or if somebody was going to read a eulogy at your funeral would you want it to be Jay-Z or Chuck D
0: oh Chuck D there's more there's more gravitas
1: yeah I mean there are more nimble rhymers I mean m and Jay-z are acrobatic and they're well, different look, writing you, styles you but- could
0: even look to his contemporaries like Big Daddy Kane or Rock him and I would tell you that those guys are better MCs but as far as the strength of his writing yeah he's up there with them He's just not a freestyler the way that those guys are you know it, yeah, it's but- it's a different it's a different skill set and a different uh, they're looking at they're looking to do something different you know with what they what they're doing.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, like after I see public enemy, like I, I, you know, as someone who speaks and writes, I come out of a public enemy show feeling the way like a guitarist must feel after seeing like a blistering set. Like, I'm like, I need to talk more like that. I need to write more like that. And if not in Chuck D style, because I can't talk like Chuck D it would be ridiculous, but I want to step up my game because Chuck D is that much more of an orator. Right. So bring the, like, I hated everything that led up to 1980s, New York city, hip hop, uh, including the beastie boys who I now worship, but when they were big, like, I just hated all rap, everything. I still,
0: I still dislike, uh, Licensed to Ill immensely, really? Yes, and I dis- you're, I dis- you're not I dis- wrong I dis- in doing so. I, I dislike that record very much. I do have a a large. No, I love it. Love, but for I, I Paul's can see critique, how you would not. Right, and then the records after that. I'm a songster. There are songs that I enjoy.
1: Yeah, it's, but like all, like I hated everything leading up to 1980s New York City hip hop, but. BDP got a hook in me, Boogie Down Productions. So yeah. that that's what kicked down the door for me, and I was like, "Oh yes, rap. I understand," in a way the Run DMC did not. And then Public Enemy is what made me buy a ticket. You know, the aggression, the sonic beatdown, the air raid sirens.
0: Well, i've I've always I've always made this analogy that, um, if Run DMC is rock and roll then public enemy certainly is heavy metal.
1: Yeah. You know
0: what I'm saying? That's and,
1: great. I love that.
0: And I think that I think
1: co-signed. That,
0: I think that there's nothing fundamentally wrong with Run DMC. The first time I heard him, I'm like, "Well, this is different." It just didn't I didn't hate it. I just didn't care for it. One where the, I was ambivalent about it. It took uh Eric B and Rakim for me to be like, "Oh. Oh. That's right. what this is."
4: Get off the mic for get you hot. Get, get off the mic, I keep my composure When all sorts of thoughts For for exposure Released in veins And the brains increase When I let off Make a wish And blow the smoke off My piece unloading Unfolding The bombs are exploding And the mic that I'm holding Is golden Call custom Cause the wide smoke asses and dust to dust. Contact is compact when I bust. <laughs> MCs are now in a massacre, a disaster up. Massive fashion, a beat to death, to a pulp, to a camp pump. Diggers ain't saying nothing, not a vote of thump. As I'm looking, I stand like Red Builders in Brooklyn. Then the stage is took, then had it struck, that could project the whole core. Keep in touch with the mic when you whole yours, huffing and puffing and slobbing and drooling. Nothing's pumping, who do you think you're fooling? Tommy Tucker, the neighborhood sucker. What you want to do is pick up a tempo. From what I've been so hard not to bite, but you can't prevent, so you start to kidnap. I watch the kid rap, when he get off, he know he shouldn't have did that. Minor old timer, weak rhymer, stay in line Find a ghost of yo, maybe later you're gonna be But for now, you're almost one of me, not an image of imitation Taken from origination made by tracing in a little eraser so perform if it still ain't born, maybe after a rope by the host with the most is a musical massacre Tide. Don't even try, keep quiet. Like a storm, you can rain, but a riot remains a game power, just like the Tower Inferno. The beat's gonna burn, so distance is kept. You better watch your death. Volunteers won't compare and get you out of the flame. Preheat the temperature change anywhere within the range of Celsius. Fahrenheit on the mic, Mike, Mike Melcian. Firm soon as a Celsius torch scorching. Mike piping hot, steaming. Who and now? You're not. James Brown must have been dusted, disgusted. Now we can't be trusted. If born with fluids, static can cause explosion. In fact, impact's closing. It time is up, so I'll leave the time bomb. Beat, gimme a heat stroke when I bomb calm. Pull out the tools. Sometimes I want to break Cool. But I was cool, like one of the chamber. Let's play a game on rhyming roulette and put me up to your brain the neighbor a rhyme about your clout. One mistake out. If it's a demonstration, it can't be the same show. Maybe a two fly somewhere over the rainbow. Courage, heart, and brains. You need vibes. Turn on your mic, snap your fingers three times. Be gone. Or the story won't end the same. And you'll feel the flame. The potion was weak. Make another antidote. What's the size? Why can't you quote? Elements for musical intelligence. Rhymes are irrelevant. No development. That that settles. A gold manufacturer, a master me. After a blast of a master that has to make musical massive Get on the mic.
1: So like everything that I liked was in there, the rhetoric, the storytelling, the, the writing, it was all there. And yeah, punk had, again, primed me for it. Because, I mean, as you know, as we've discussed, uh, you know, if, if you're just listening for the first time, we're a couple white dudes. You know,
0: I think I'm a white guy. I think that's abundantly clear. Middle, yeah, age, middle aged white dudes.
1: I I am a, I'm a bigger white guy from a fairly respectable background. I mean, my dad was a college professor, so we weren't wealthy, but you know, um, from the right side of the track, so to speak, um, life could be easy for me if I would just sit still and fold my hands and keep my mouth shut. Uh, you know, I went to a Catholic school later on. I went to a very prestigious Catholic university for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, And if I knew what was good for me and if I could just sit there and sit on my hands and be quiet, I would be Dr. Ferris and I would be hanging out in supper clubs in Pittsburgh, but I just can't fucking do that. That's not me. Uh, Punk taught me this. Punk taught me that the second you emerge to the edge of the pack, you become vulnerable some cop or somebody who is acting like one uh, is going to come along and ask you what your problem is. Why you look like that. Why are you out at the edge of the pack? What are you doing? What's wrong with you? Uh, They're going to want to know why you can't just be like everybody else. And uh, if a bunch of you break up from the pack and set off on your own little party off in the darkness, the authorities will find you and they will beat you up literally And that's for white guys. That's for white kids that are not hurting anybody or really doing anything. So I know that as a white guy, once the powers that finish, once the powers that be finish oppressing everybody else, I know that I'm going to be one of the first white guys to go if it gets that far. I am a smart ass who asks questions and mocks things and has certain socio-political leanings. I know what happens, right? I know. Uh, So punk conditioned me for learning that uh, learning about America's deep, deep history of oppression and racial inequality. Uh, I knew that authorities were not always a benevolent presence, uh, and I realized that there were people out there that had it a lot worse than I did. Yep. Uh, and all the stuff that Chuck D started saying to me, um, it was above and beyond what I had heard from Roger Moret and Jello Biafra. Well, and I mean, now I- like it wasn't punk rock shit. Now it was like, okay, you want to hear about America and what's wrong with it. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of, uh, slavery, right. which I had obviously, but. Like you learned that, you know, like we were saying with Nazis, Nazis isn't fifty years ago. Nazis is now. Uh, slavery is not two hundred years ago. Past tense. Slavery, slavery is being perpetuated in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, and you know, well, I uh, think Punk brought that to my attention, and rap really deli- It opened the world to me.
0: Well, I think you know, like uh, a lot of my early. When I started really thinking about politics, was hugely informed by Dead Kennedys and Public Enemy, you know. And I think, and you you sort of pointed this out, but I want to sort of focus on this the the thing that I learned, given the neighborhood I grew up in, and through listening to Public Enemy, was that guys like you and I, regardless of our upbringing. If we're on the edges of the pack or if we break off from the pack, you know, the one thing Public Enemy taught me that dead Kennedys did not teach me this is that we're consciously making a choice. Like we're, that's our decision. We have the ability to make a choice to, well, we're going to be smart asses. We're going to question these things. And we're yeah, we gonna, can be, we can be colorful right.
1: white fellows.
0: Right. And, and it's you know, fine. the, uh, the, the sat, the thing Public Enemy taught me, and my experiences with, um. My experiences with my ex wife, and my experiences with my friends was that, yo, you get to make that choice. We don't. Right, so when people want to criticize the notion of, you know, white privilege as not being a real thing, it, it is a real thing. I chose to shave my head in nineteen eighty six and look like a complete fucking weirdo. And listen to fucked up music that everybody would. I mean, I didn't have that nightmare high school experience that some punk rock kids do. People generally left me alone, but I chose to look like the fucking circus freak and, you know, potentially, you know, put a target on my back, right? People of color, uh, people of different gender identities, people, you know, of different sexual orientations, they they're not making the choice to stand out. They just are because our culture looks to crush anything that's different. And, and public enemy really taught me that, like, you know, when you, my favorite song is black steel and the hour of chaos. Yeah. Like, masterpiece. like the whole narrative of that song isn't about the jailbreak.
1: I got it's a letter not- from the government the other day. I opened and read it and said they were suckers.
0: Yeah, I mean, they wanted me for their army or whatever.
1: Army or whatever. A ballad behind bars, or you could say real rock from the rock, an unusual
2: musical happening in a most unusual place, the state prison. I got a letter from the government the other day. I opened and read it, and said they were suckers. They wanted me for their army or whatever. Picture me giving a damn. I said never. Here is a land. Gave a damn about a brother like me and myself. Because they never did. I wasn't with it, but just that very minute it occurred to me. The suckers had authority. Cold sweating as I dwell in my cell. How long has it been? They got me sitting in a state pen. I gotta get out, but that thought was thought before. I kinda played a plan on the cell floor. I'm not a fugitive on the run. But a brother like me begun to be another one. Public enemy serving time. They drew the line, y'all. They criticize me for some And I can never be a veteran All the the of situations unreal I got a raw deal So I'm looking for the steel hey, Yo Chuck, are you serious? You in the justice, man. Word him up, I'm looking for that steal. Yo man, going break you out of there, man We gonna like that, man Don't you know, they got me rotten In the time that I'm serving Telling you what happened the same time they're throwing Four of us packed in a cell like slaves Oh well, the same motherfucker Got us living in his hell. You have to realize what is the form of slavery organized? Another form of devil. Straight up, word them up on the level. The reasons are several, most of them federal. Here's my plan anyway, and I say I got gusto. But only some I can trust. Yo, some do a bit from one to ten, but I never did. And plus
1: And you it's, see it's, that's to tie it back to Devo, like freedom of choice, right? Like freedom of choice is not target versus Walmart. Right. You
3: know,
1: Like a real choice is if the world falls apart and now you got to provide food for your family and you have a gun and you've been out all day and now the sun's coming down and you don't have anything to bring home to your family. And you're coming out of the woods cause all there is to do is fucking hunt now. Right. And there's one guy walking with a Turkey slung over his back. What choice do you make? Right. What kind of person are you going to be right now? Now we're staring down some Holocaust level shit. So freedom of choice is not freedom of choice. Freedom of choice is like if you're Muhammad Ali, cassius clay and you have been drafted for the government do you have to go fight in vietnam do you have to no you have the choice to uh not go right that's a fucking choice you got to make it's not going to be as simple as saying no thank you i will uh i'll opt out uh Mr. Government, yeah, uh, that's and, a choice. And,
0: and the the thing is, the same you know, that was a white fighter in the same position. He would not have experienced quite the same repercussions that Muhammad Ali did. Yeah. Now, given given the tenor of the times, there would have been some blowback. I mean, we're talking the fucking sixties, and it, you know, but yeah, but I mean, you know, Shakti
1: D is also saying freedom of choice. Well, right. choice. I got a letter from the government. Now I have to make a choice.
0: Yeah. And, and also, just the whole idea that the narrative takes place in a prison. It never occurred to me that, you know, before listening to that record, ever never occurred to me, well, how many black men are being thrown in prison?
1: Yeah. Prison industrial right? right? th- th- complex.
0: Are, those are questions I start asking my friends. And, you know, I thank them greatly. Look, I'm not the most enlightened dude. I'm not, I, we all have work to do. You know, on herself. So I'm not trying to act like I'm some fucking virtue signaling shithead who doesn't, you know, who who thinks he's above, beyond reproach. But I have to thank a lot of my friends, my close friends, for like saying, "Yeah, this is the way it is, dude." And I was like, "Oh, you know." But if it wasn't listening to Public Enemy, I might not have asked those questions. I might not have said, "Hey, tell me about this," right? And they were gracious enough to they didn't have to tell me shit it's not their responsibility but they did because they were my friends you know yeah uh, but dead kennedy's got me started thinking about weird stuff. i'm like what holiday in cambodia what the fuck is, i don't what is this you know and I'm just <laughs> like you know so those two bands had a huge uh impact on my you know political thought it's far more nuanced now than it was back then but uh and i don't mean that you know I'm to the right of anything at this point, but I mean that it's not as reductive and bombastic, you know, but it took that kind of aggression and bombast for me to say, whoa, what's going on, you know? Um, But yeah, I mean, Public Enemy is just fucking great. And the dude is still making music constantly, you know, and not just him, but Public Enemy as a whole, but uh, Chuck D is just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, and he's still a voice, still a voice on every possible level.
0: And he, he, you know, he's just, uh, he's somebody, I I don't really care about meeting musicians famous or otherwise, but I I wouldn't mind hanging out with that dude. I you know, (laughs) I mean, just, you know, uh, him and, uh, you know, maybe the guys in Voivod, (laughs) you know, those are the only people I'm kind of like, you know, it'd be kind of cool to hang out, you know? Uh, and Public Enemy is not even, you know, top 10 band for me at all, you know, but, uh, you know, I respect it immensely. Yeah, but
1: I mean, you would learn something.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and even just to pick his mind about what we're doing now, just music. Maybe not even politics, just music, you know, I'd be, I'm curious to hear. Yeah, what I mean, they, they were do-
1: one of the people at the forefront of the digital revolution, Saying, listen, if you don't own the masters, the masters own you. We're going to release our shit on the internet. Who was doing that at the time? No. Him and Danzig.
0: Yeah, nobody was. And, and the the other thing is like, I mean, I know that it was mostly Bomb Squad, but just the whole, the dense nature of those first two albums. Well, the first three albums, like, like, I just want to pick his mind, Like, what were you thinking when, like, and maybe not the content of his lyrics, but the way they were delivered, like, what were you looking to? You know, like, rock, him will tell you who's looking to jazz. But I've never read any interviews with Chuck D, him saying, well, this is what I was thinking about, how I, you know, metered my lyrics and how I decided I was going to fit this many words in this many bars. You know, like, shit like that. I'd pick his brain about stuff like that, in addition to politics. But, you know.
1: Well, um, there's, there's good stuff out there. I forget the, uh, like, the New York Knicks broadcasters that were real influential to him. Uh, you know, Hank Shockley is one of the people that I interviewed for the rain and blood book. You know, I think there are a few few Slayer books out there, but I think that I was the guy to write the rain and blood book. I think I was the right guy because, you know, the Def Jam aspect of that meant as much to me as the Slayer one. And to me, like seeing Slayer fuse with this label, that was the hottest thing on the planet.
0: My Um, favorite bit in your book was, uh, the part where mc search was talking about he was responding <laughs> to either a phone call or a letter as uh tom Araya.
1: yeah before t- context for this is uh, I, that's my favorite part too like out of everybody i talked to for the rain, another good mc book.
0: by the way another oft forgotten and great mc
1: here's my advice to all amateurs planning to give a performance speak
3: up and keep the act moving
2: While waking up to noise Of third B-A-S-S bass Success is blessed But search is space Spoken slang gets played Like the lottery Your lyrics are incorrect So you step to me Looking for the key To release that first piece Three times two is six Peter's one three I'm the other half Known as the other trait, torn of wild spring The third son's born one
5: Flee from the third word spoken. A silver spoon stuck in a throat. Young, useless, lyrically careless. Rhyme of around the are mindless. If everyone spoke of a stick up, it's pick up a beast. Prone to a lick of a waste. Taste and flavor the original. Orphan trio abandoned by lyrical thrust. The echelon exposed with a roll with no soul. Counterfeit style born sworn and sold out with high voice distorted. If a beast of his played fetus, I'd have him aborted.
2: and a slam
5: hip-dog, and jetting, pseudo-intellectual, dust-smoking, pretty boy, playwright, posing, Volkswagen, whining, annoying, death jam, reject, devil, white bread, old money, having slum, village people cloning, stepchildren, <laughs> Sam Sever, said the rest, <laughs> yo Sam, <school. laughs> he is stupid, but he knows that he is stupid, <laughs> Almost makes him smart. Let's listen.
1: I love them he's he's a the best storyteller i talked to by far like i i got I, I talked to rick rubin and slayer themselves the best storyteller i talked to for the slayer rain and blood book was third base mc mc search hell of a storyteller great yeah. dude hilarious what they did was before Uh, Third base were really signed or really on the varsity team at Def Jam. They would just hang around the Def Jam offices and all kinds of uh, fan mail would come in. Uh, And they were sitting around bored. and Slayer weren't sitting around the Def Jam offices. They were on tour. So uh, Pete Nice and MC Search would just open up Slayer's fan mail and read it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then they would call girls and i'm gonna do a bad impression of, of search 1986 so please you know with all respect but he he would call up girls and be like yo what's up uh this is tom Aurea from Slayer, and uh we just you know i got your letter it really meant a lot to me you know did you want to talk something
0: uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he would do that for hours with these girls Oh my god. And they would get him back on the phone and call him a week later with like three girls in the room and the girls freaking out and thinking that they're talking to Slayer and they're like Brooklyn dudes talking like Slayer. Like, yeah. yo, yeah, that Rain and Blood album was bonkers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, hey man, I really love that you're able to sit down with me and, and do this. It's it's a lot of fun. I don't, I don't, I don't see you nearly enough. I mean, I saw you when we were doing Muay Thai together, I think that was about the most often I saw you most frequently. Yeah. That was, that was fun.
1: Yeah. That was nice to be able to to look over in the suburban Island and see somebody normal looking, (laughs) (laughs) but no, I mean, like both our kids are both uh, high school graduating. And, you know, I remember, I think with the first Don Austin album, uh, when or not the first story that I wrote for, about you guys and um we're talking and you're like oh you have a kid same age and i think i gave you a a cd with like some toy story songs on
0: it yeah
1: or something but my point is that that feels like it was like two years ago maybe three
0: yeah it does it totally does i mean you know
1: so it's just it has you know us having kids of that age and you have more than i do now like it has just happened quickly uh, that's life you know you don't get nearly enough time around the right people and too much time with all the wrong people
0: all right that's it that's all i got for you this time uh, I want to thank Ferris for hanging out. Uh, I always have a great time talking to him. Uh, we don't see each other nearly enough, and we should probably remedy that. Uh, if you're interested in communicating with me, you can do so on Facebook at Bleachmouth Postscript, Instagram, Larry underscore Bleach Mouth. The email is bleachmouthps at gmail.com. I don't fuck around with Twitter or Spotify, but we are on Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe, rate, and review, which would be super, super helpful because it... Uh, uh, does something to the algorithm where more people can see the podcast, and the more people that see the podcast, the more obligated I will feel to complete these in a timely fashion. <laughs> Which at least I'll feel obligated. I can't promise that I will, I'll just feel obligated to. Uh, anyway, thanks for hanging out, and uh, we'll see you soon. Got some really cool stuff coming up, and uh, thanks, for, thanks again. What you see,
2: what you see, is what you get. I said, "What you see is what you get, my baby."